Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Good morning and welcome to Salt and Light. Uh, I tell you what, we have a power-packed broadcast today. A lot of good stuff coming your way, folks. So you're going to be glad that you tuned in to Salt and Light. I'm Randy Mitchell, Max Robinson. Also, we've got a special guest here with us, um, Brother John Whalen. First time with us here on Salt and Light. Welcome, Brother John. Good to have you. And uh, Brother Max, you doing okay today? I am. I'm looking forward to another sunny day yeah yeah we hopefully 89 <laughs> yeah that's that's what we're hoping for <laughs> anyhow yeah inside joke folks we'll move on here first of all brother max uh we are a week from tomorrow master club at temple baptist church that is our midweek kids program week from tomorrow and uh, i believe i've got that correct on the 30th and so, uh, so it'll be two weeks. Two weeks, okay. No, yeah, a week from tomorrow. Yeah, you're right. That is correct. Yeah. So it's I'm been busy. You. It's been yeah. busy. It's we sunny lose and track of time. That is right. It's sunny <laughs> and 89, and a week from tomorrow, uh, we start our master That's club right. program at Temple Baptist Church, and uh, we uh, we still got plenty of room for signups, and we want to encourage all the, all of the listeners to, if you've got children. And you want to get your kids in a good Bible program every week, get them in our master club. They'll learn the Bible. They'll earn some badges. They'll learn some different things of discipleship, how to serve and follow the Lord. You don't have to be a member of Temple Baptist Church. And we, we are happy to uh, invite families, children from other churches. We're not trying to take people or encourage people to leave their church. We just simply want to minister to kids and we've got not only a great program but we've got some great leaders and helpers that love kids they do a I mean it is a really really good program and some good people that uh, genuinely love the kids safe environment anything that I left out that you want to talk well, about you, brother you, Max it really hit all the highlights I, I, I didn't mean to steal all your thunder I just was excited about it no but everything you said is true it is a good program quality program and uh, we have room for kids, so bring them, we're ready to do, and we have teachers that are excited, gonna be teaching some lessons, we have some game time as well, and opportunity later in the year for a major event, right, for regionals, which is a big competition of the things they've done and learned. Competing against other churches. And it is, uh, it is a big deal, yeah. and it's exciting, and a lot of uh, awards that the kids can learn earn there as well, trophies and badges are medals and all kinds of stuff it's a it's a good time yeah and we got some great leadership you and your wife are in charge of it right <laughs> so anyhow uh, that might be the weakest part of the whole thing I, but. I don't think so brother but anyhow folks master club at temple baptist church go on our website templebaptistnc.com right on the home page you can click on master club it'll bring up the registration Get your kids registered, plan on having them there August 30th, 
at 7 p.m. We go yeah. from 7 to 8.30. And so um, please uh, pray about this. And uh, we believe that you'll be glad that you brought your kids to our Master Club. If you have any questions, be sure and contact us. Our phone and information is all there on our website. Now, I want to say something about last Sunday's Back to Basics uh, message that we preached. Actually, we preached it this past Sunday. Our Back to Basics is always one week in arrears of what we preach at the pulpit of Temple Baptist Church. And so uh, we preached, and when I say we, myself, Brother Ben Smoker, as well as uh, Brother Max, we all tag-teamed. It's kind of an interesting concept. We tag-teamed on this sermon talking about the mark of the beast. And listen, I've heard so much feedback. I don't think I've ever heard more positive feedback from a message that we preach than what I've heard so far just from this past Sunday's message. And so uh, very cultural, uh, relevant things, talking about uh, Elon Musk, things going on in our culture around us that are definitely pointing toward the Antichrist, toward the mark of the beast. And so you can get in on that by going to, once again, Temple Baptist NC, and you can uh, go on media, archived sermons, or you can uh, go to, uh, back, uh, excuse me, to WSIC website and click on the Back to Basics link, and you'll be able to bring all of that up. So uh, if you have any questions about that, be sure and let us know. Well, our topic today, uh, I know this segment, we are almost out of time, but I want to introduce the topic, get going a little bit, wet people's appetite for what we're going to be talking about in the ne next segment, and that is a subject, Brother Max, that I'm just going to admit this is not life or death. This is not heaven or hell. And some people say, well, then why do you talk about it? Well, because the Bible is full of all kinds of truth that is not life or death, that is not heaven or hell. It's just simply what God's Word says. God gives us everything. I, we believe that the Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. That's right. And so the Bible is the handbook given to us by our Creator on what He expects out of us. And we're living in a day and age, Brother Max, where everybody's worried about what everybody else thinks of them, but not necessarily what God thinks of us. So we're going to talk about this. What is the topic? Well, we're going to talk about a very cultural thing. Here we go. Drum roll, please. <laughs> We're going to talk about tattoos, inking, if you will, a little bit about piercings and different things that are so common in culture. I, I had somebody just the other day ask me about this. You know, what does the Bible say? And so uh, this is very culturally relevant. You know, the contemporary modern um, uh, churches, Brother Max, always kind of look down on us as dinosaurs, like everything that we preach and teach is not relevant. And yet here's a topic that, I mean, it's so relevant because we see it all around us. Mm -hmm. We have people asking questions, what does the Bible say about it? But yet so many of these churches and pastors, they just ignore it because they know that people are passionate about it and they don't want to ruffle feathers. And so I'm just going to say right up front that I, I, I'm personally uh, against it because of some principles that the Bible teaches. Once again, it's not heaven or hell. Young man asked me years ago, preacher, if I get a tattoo, will I go to hell? Well, no, obviously not. 
Heaven and hell is dependent on whether you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. But if you want to know, does God approve of this? Well, then I can tell you from the Bible that I, I believe that he doesn't. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that here uh, after the break. Any, anything that you want to add to that before we take a break, Brother Max? Well, I think as we dive into the, the subject of this quickly, I, I, I would ask everybody that's listening to really themselves look into the history of all this and what God has done in Scripture for his people, how he wanted them to be separate. And then decide. Yeah. Decide what is what does God desire for you? Well, and that is what, you know, being a Christian is not just about our salvation, but it's about us having a life that glorifies our Heavenly Father. Yeah. And that's what this is all about. And folks, I'm not we're not preaching against tattoos. You may have one, we're not against you, but we're talking about the topic of tattooing to begin with. So join us after the break. folks we are talking about a very controversial topic of course salt and light we don't shy away from controversial topics we don't like to be controversial but if it is controversial we're not going to shy away from it and uh, that is the topic of tattoos uh, piercings if you will they're certainly connected and so I'm going to read here out of the Word of God Leviticus chapter number 19 I've already said previously before the break that I'm against tattooing and uh, once again, not against tattoos, because people may have the tattoo. And you say, what do you mean you're, you're not against tattoos, but you're against tattooing? Well, the, the topic in general, but there are some people that have tattoos. And, you know, I know there are, there's modern uh, technology, lasers and stuff, that sometimes they can be removed. But I've seen some of them that even after they remove them, you can tell that it's still there and it's not, uh, not absolute and complete. So we're not against people who have tattoos. It's the concept of it. And the reason is because Leviticus chapter number 19, this is not our opinion. This is the word of God. Uh, God says here to his people, he said, ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you I am the Lord. So God says, I am the Lord. I, I have the right to tell you that I don't want you to print any marks on you. And that's right there in the Word of God. And so uh, we, we have a responsibility to preach the whole counsel of God. And if you're listening and you have tattoos, listen, we're not trying to make you feel bad. I, I, I promise you that. However, if the truth, if we tell you the truth and it makes you feel bad, we're not apologizing for that either. I mean, right. we're, we're going to be loyal to God and his word. Nobody, no preacher wants to go about to try to make people dislike them. And, you know, we're not exactly the, comfortable with this topic because we know that it, it creates some passion in people's minds and people are, have opinions and so forth. So we have the absolute truth of the Word of God. I have my own personal opinions. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with a preacher having his opinions about things. The Apostle Paul, uh, he even wrote to the church at Corinth, you know, this is not me talk, or this is not the Lord talking, this is me. And God right. put it in the Word of God, which m means that what Paul was thinking had God's seal of approval on it. 
But there are times where we have to use discernment. And that's what the priest had to do in the Old Testament. That's what the pastor, the man of God, has to do in this day and age is to help people discern between the good and the evil and what's right and what's profane and so forth. And so that's all we're trying to do here is to help people discern through that. Now, I'm going to talk about the text here in a minute, but Brother Max, what are, what are your thoughts on this um, on this topic as we uh, plunge forward into it? Well, it's, it's very much relevant because we are seeing more and more. It, we've talked about this before. In the past, it was a select few people that would do it. You'd have a few sailors. You would have some bikers. marines, some bikers, yeah. you know. And, and, and now it is becoming more and more mainstream. And against all, I'm not, I'm not trying to use this word disrespectfully, but we have different economic classes of people and it's it's no longer just certain societal segments it is across the board where you're seeing this uh, creep over and becoming right. more and more mainstream yeah it's, but it's totally it, mainstream it's becoming today. more and more pronounced even in the amount of it on individuals it's right. not just you know a guy used to have mom on his shoulder an anchor or his division name on his arm. My dad had his name in a ribbon on his forearm. And I know as a kid, I, I liked it. You know, I would sit on his lap and I would just, you know, touch my finger. It's like, this. can you feel that tattoo? I was always intrigued by right. it. Well, you didn't want to forget who he was. Yeah. And then under pressure, who are you? Yeah. And then yeah. Me, me and a bunch of my football <laughs> buddies, uh, we're, I'm a senior in high school. And so me and a bunch of the, the my buddies, it's like, well, let's go get a tattoo. But after we thought about that back then, this is the mid 80s. We had no idea where to go to get one. <laughs> you know, nowadays there's a there's a, a yes. there's an ink parlor on every corner, almost as much as Baptist churches are. And it's very culturally, socially accepted. That's right. And it is uh, it's considered art now. It's no longer considered a rebellion. It used to be considered rebellion. It, it did. It, it, yeah. That's what it was. I mean, and that's what society viewed it as, just rebellion. And you know, studying history on this, and you and I have both done and looked at some of the same things. Uh, historically, cultures that were completely against the true and living God mm -hmm. and worshiped gods that were gods that destroyed people, literally. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, people sacrificed their children. They would kill them before these gods. They would mm -hmm. do other things. Those were the norms, the tattooing, the piercings, the cuttings, and these things were the norms in those cultures. So it has that definite evidence of being pagan, dare we say, yeah, anti-God, and well, it's undeniable. It's undeniable that the history of it is definitely an, an anti-God pagan history. We're not saying that people who are inked up today are pagans or devil worshipers or any of that. Exactly. It has become a culturally acceptable thing, but I believe that it is a symptom of the fact that the Word of God and the presence of God has been removed as the main influence of our culture. Yeah. Our parents and grandparents recognized that this is not a good thing, and the reason being is because they had read it in the Word of God here in Leviticus chapter 17 where I just read. 
And so they didn't, they hadn't figured out how these um, modern preachers do a two-step around it. And here's what they say. This is the common thing. Well, that's in the Old Testament. And that's just what they say. And people who do what they want to do automatically just say, oh, well, there's my loophole. That's in the Old Testament. I get to ignore that. Well, here's what's interesting. Here in the very same chapter, here's what it says. It says, do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore. Well, that's Old Testament. Yeah, that's in verse 19 of the same chapter. So what are we supposed to do? Just ignore that as well? Oh, that's okay. So you can't just have this buffet mentality that you pick and choose what you want to do, what you want to hear, and and yeah. just say, well, that's in the Old Testament, so it's not relevant to me. Well, it is, but we have to figure out how and in what way these principles are relevant. Once again, we're not saying that if you get, if you get inked up or a tattoo that you're going to go to hell. It's not right. about heaven not. or hell here. It is about what does God approve of and what glorifies him. And so this is a very important Bible principle. The Bible says that whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now, as we close out, get toward the end of this segment of the broadcast today, and I, I want to move into a little bit lighter topic here in the next segment, but I believe, Brother Max, that this cultural phenomenon, I, I don't think any Christian 20 years ago would have dreamed that this is so culturally common here in America. I, I, I would have never thought that. I think that it's relevant to what, we, what we've been talking about in Revelation 13 from the pulpit at Temple Baptist Church is that there is an antichrist coming, there's a tribulation coming. Already, Paul said, the mystery of iniquity is already working. That's the spirit of antichrist. And when the antichrist shows up, him and the false prophet are going to be demanding of people, not only that they worship the Antichrist, but that they receive a mark in their forehead and in their right hand. I believe that this is something that, un, I don't think that the people, for most people it's just art, it's just body decoration, but I believe that it's relevant in the fact that the devil doesn't want us to look the way that God created us to look. And this is, I believe, that the cultural relevance of inking, the cultural relevance of all of the gender bending, where you know men want to look like women, women want to look like men, and so forth. All of these are a heart condition of listening to the wrong spirit and the spirit of antichrist is opposed to the spirit of god which is in consistent with the word of god and it's just preparing people that when the antichrist shows up and says you need to take this mark people are going to they're not going to be resistant 50 years ago somebody shows up and says you got to take this mark in your hand or your forehead people nothing doing you're not putting any marks on my body but the devil is getting a culture that is just, he's just setting the table. You know, we had COVID that, uh, you know, got everybody thinking if you don't get this vaccination, you're not going to be able to go to work. You're not going to be able to go here or go there. When the Antichrist shows up, if you don't take that mark, you're not going to be able to buy or sell. Yeah. 
And I believe all of this is cultural trial runs preparing the entire world for when the Antichrist shows up, no matter what the, if they've ever heard the Bible, heard any of this, they're just going to be so deceived because everybody's doing it, so it must be okay, and that is not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God says, it doesn't matter what everybody's doing, we need to follow the Lord. Noah had the Spirit of God, and he was the only one in his generation that was preaching righteousness. Everybody else was following wickedness. Right. I, I, we should read 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. It says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify your God, therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. The, the fact of the matter is, the talking point of today is, my body, my choice. For the saved, Holy Spirit and dwelt Christian, it's God's body, and we should be asking him, Lord, how should I be taking care of it? How should I be dealing with it? We're also told we're a royal priesthood. The priesthood in the Old Testament, which we're now being likened to, to a degree, Yeah was forbidden to certain things because it was separated and consecrated to God. We need to get back looking to God. How do you want me to live my life and treat your temple? That is right, folks. Once again, Leviticus 19.28, God says that he doesn't want his people to print any marks upon them. Crystal clear, you can look it up for yourself. Next segment, we're going to be talking about people who claimed that they're saved and on their way to heaven, but don't live like they're saved. We see it all around us. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about it. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter number 13 and verse number 24. This is Jesus speaking. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not when ye are. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. These are some very sobering words that are spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got some people here thinking that they deserve to go to heaven, thinking that they are going to heaven, and when they show up, they're knocking at the door, and the Lord's saying, I, I can't let you in. I don't know who you are, but we've eaten and we've drunk in your presence and so forth. Now, when Jesus was alive, people could say that because he was literally here on this earth, but we have something that's parallel today, and I'm joined here by Brother Max Robinson and Brother John Whalen. Uh, people would say today, well, Lord, open unto us. Uh, we've been baptized. We're church members. We're of a, the right denomination. We're Christian. Or we're Christian. We, we believe in God and so forth. And, and uh, this is sadly, it's going to happen to so many people because straight is the way. There's few that find that way to life. Not that the Lord's trying to keep it 
from them or make it difficult, but the problem is, is the human heart can be so easily deceived, and people want something that's religious, something that's easy. Listen, I believe that salvation is simple. I believe that because the Bible tells me that it's simple. Just because something is simple doesn't mean that it's easy. And so, uh, you know, salvation is uh, regeneration, and we're going to see that here in a minute. But, uh, gentlemen, I had a, a young man, a teenager, that asked me this question not long ago. And he said, Pastor, he said, what do you think about these people that say that they're saved, but they just live wickedly? And I said, well, that's a great question because, and I said, it's, it's a, something that we should all be considering. And I said, here is what the Bible says. It really doesn't matter what I think about it, but I said, I was one of those. In my high school years, I lived four years of my life from sophomore up till almost the age of 20. And I lived a very wicked lifestyle and some things that I'm very ashamed of. And but that whole time and, and people say, well, were you saved? Well, I believe that I was. I believe that I uh, that I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior as a five year old boy. But here's the difference. During that time period, God was working in my heart. There were evidences that the word of God backs up. And, and I can't say, well, yeah, I was saved because of what I said when I was five years old. If that's all I had to go on, then I would have to say I probably wasn't truly born again, and thank God that I did get born again. But there were things going on in my life that the Bible backed up. And so I told this, this uh, teenage young man who very sincerely asking this question, I said, well, the truth of the matter is, is that the majority of those people are more than likely lost and on their way to hell thinking that they're on their way to heaven. And I said, that is heartbreaking and that's sad, but it is just the simple fact of the matter. Now, there are some evidences that the Word of God talks about. And so, um, Brother John, you're a little disadvantaged. We have s some lists here that Brother Max and I have kind of uh, coerced here, and he, he knows some of this. But you uh, pastored for the last 22 years. I know that you have dealt with this. And so out of all of those evidences, what would be the number one thing from the Bible that comes to your mind that you would say to the person that says, well, yeah, I'm saved, but I'm not living I'm not. I'm living wickedly, but I know that I'm on my way to heaven. What are your thoughts on that, Brother John? There's a lot of people like that in our area. Uh, they claim that they're saved, and I've been around a while. I know that there's a lot of even churches in our area that they're teaching you a way of salvation that is not biblical. If you're good, if you do this, you do whatever, or don't do this, whatever it is, you're um, you're in good shape. But the evidence of salvation is asking Jesus to come in your heart and save you from your sin, repenting of sin and turning to God and letting God do the work in your heart. I can do nothing to get saved except ask Christ to save me. And he said he would save me if I would repent of my sin and turn to him. I see people who go through emotion. Uh, I've, I've been in churches in my life that uh, people in church... I don't want to see anybody die and go to hell. I have friends and possibly family this morning that is in hell. I don't want to see anybody die and go to hell. 
But sometimes we want somebody to miss hell so bad, we even talk them into something that's not true. Mm-hmm. And we, but just let God do the work that he wants to do in our hearts. You know, I've seen that too. Uh, you know, people and, and some well-meaning Christians that are witnessing and even preachers that are, you know, they don't want people to go to hell. And so, you know, they'll kind of coerce people into making a, a decision or praying a yeah. prayer. He says, well, do you want to, you don't want to go to hell, do you? Well, no. Do you you want to go to heaven, don't you? Well, sure. Well, if you'll pray this prayer, then you'll go to heaven instead of hell. And so th- they just pray, dear Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner and that I, I'm going to ask Jesus to be my Savior. As if that prayer has some kind of magical thing that when you say it, then automatically you're saved. And the fact of the matter is, that is not what the Scripture teaches. Now, that prayer may be something that happens, but that's not the saving aspect. That's not what actually gets us saved. So, Brother Max, what would you add to that? Well, the thing I I guess I would add on, I have a similar testimony as yours, and and, and Brother John's right as well. And there are many that'll say, you know, I, I'm saved, but it's it's a for a reason. It's you know in hopes of getting uh, a family problem resolved, right? So there's this coming to to God for just being or getting relief in your current bad situation, and not this heartfelt thing of your standing with God is that I'm a sinner. There's a holy and just God who is righteous, and the only way that I'm going to spend and be allowed into heaven and eternity is making this right. I can't do it on my own. Yeah. As was said, I can't do it on my own. Yeah. It is what is done in the heart of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, understanding I'm a sinner, turning from that, and that heart's desire to turn away from those things. Well, that's like what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 44. He said, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. That is a work of the Holy Spirit. In our soul-winning efforts, we can ask people, and this is a good question to ask, do you believe that you're a sinner? And I've had people say, answer with this in this way. Well, yeah, isn't everyone? Or, yeah, everyone's a sinner. When the Holy Spirit is drawing you and convicting you, you're not worried about what everybody else is. You're only seeing, I mean, conviction of the Holy Spirit is personal and individual. And it's as if, you know, the Apostle Paul said that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, there, there have been plenty of human beings that have lived who have done way more wicked things than the Apostle Paul did. But Paul, in his own heart, and he wasn't, you know, emanating false humility, he believed that he was the chief of sinners because the Holy Spirit revealed to him. When we get saved, we are not just trying to get a free ticket to heaven by saying a prayer. A lot of even Christian religion has this idea that it doesn't even have to be genuine. You go out and you commit sins and you go and you confess your sins to the priest, do a few Hail Marys, blah, 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 and then go out and commit the same sins. What a, what a convenient type of religion. That is not what Christianity, that is not salvation at all. Salvation is... We come to God as a sinner, 
individually, I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. I know it. I understand it. I feel it because the Holy Spirit is bringing that conviction into my life. And then and only then, you, I mean, you're not going to take the cure until you realize that you're sick. And, and so a lot of Christianity is like, well, yeah, I'll take something for nothing. This sounds, sounds pretty good to me. All I have to do is pray this prayer, sure. And then they walk away thinking that I'm okay. And no real work of God has taken place in their heart. And that's why, gentlemen, I believe that the state of Christianity is in such a horrible condition today is because we've got quote-unquote Christian churches that are filled with people. There are pulpits in America filled with unsaved, unregenerated people who are religious, you know, nice people, but they've never been born again. And if you've never been born again, you can't, you can't recognize it. You can't, you're not going to preach it because it's never, ever happened to you as of yet. And so we're going to talk more about that here after the break, but there has to be a conviction of the Holy Spirit, God drawing you, and then there also has to be what the Bible calls regeneration or a new birth. Titus chapter 3, verse number 5 says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And it also talks about that, that regeneration, that we are the, the, the washing of regeneration and yeah. the renewing of the Holy right. Ghost. Getting saved doesn't make us perfect, but it does change our life and it does change our heart. Brother John, any last thoughts before the break? Um. I agree with everything you've just said, but you know, we, we have so many people that have the form of godliness, but we're denying the power thereof, which is we're religious, but do we know who Christ is? Has the love of Christ moved into our heart and changed us and made us a difference? Uh, and just to let God just uh, uh, do in us his will to make a difference. The Father loves us so much more than we'll ever comprehend in this life. He loves us. And he doesn't love just me or just those here this morning, but he loves the entire world. And uh, he, he wants everybody to be saved. My choice. When he dealt with me on, in April 3rd, 1973, I knew I needed to get saved because the Holy Spirit of God was working in my heart and my life and making a difference that only he could make. He showed me the love of God, and I thank him for it this evening. Well, Jesus himself told the Pharisees, he said, you're of your father, the devil, and the works of your father you will do. And so if, you know, somebody who's just the life that they live is just sinful and worldly and, and all of that, how can we say I'm a child of God when all of our spiritual DNA reflects a different spiritual father? And so these are some things that certainly need to be considered. We'll say more about it in our last segment. Romans chapter 8, verse number 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Folks, welcome back to Salt and Light. This is our final segment. We're talking about evidences of salvation and how we know that we're saved. There are a lot of people out there that 
claim to be maybe backslidden, but I think that a lot of the problem is they've never slid forward. And uh, James chapter number two deals with this, um, easy believism, thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And so the context of that is that it's not just, you know, saying that you believe in your head the right thing. Salvation is a work of the heart. We talked about it in the previous segment. And here the Word of God tells us that if we are children of God, then our life is going to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, I've had times where I felt that the Lord led me to do certain things, but I don't believe that's what this is, uh, verse is talking about. I look back in all of my life and I can see that there's always been like an invisible hand in my life. Even when I was a backslidden Christian, uh, prodigal son, if you will, there were times where something supernatural was thwarting my sin life. There were times where I wanted to do certain things and it would get thwarted so many times. Uh, I wish that it would have got thwarted more. At the time I was frustrated at this invisible thwarting that kept happening. Now I look back, it's like, I wish that it would have happened more, but there were times where I knew that something's trying to mess up my plans. And now I know that it was because I was a child of God. Listen, I, I, I was, a, a child of God has been transformed and it's kind of like we're a, we're a lamb, we're a sheep. And a sheep can stumble into a hog pen and waller around in it and maybe even enjoy it for a little bit of time. But eventually that sheep ain't going to be happy or be able to live or survive in that hog pen. I have a testimony that I look back and that is exactly how my life went. And so I can look back and say, well, I, I, one of the evidences that I know that I'm saved is not any emotional experience that I've had, but it's just that continual invisible hand that when I get off track, the Lord's always speaking to me, sometimes initially speaking with a still small voice, and then he gets a little bit louder, and then things, you know, he's always trying to get me on the path of righteousness and holiness, and I can tell that he is allowing things in my life that are not always pleasant, but in the end result, I can say just like later on in the chapter, Romans 8:28, very famous passage of scripture, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, that's saved, according to his purpose. And so I've experienced that in my life and it's helped me make sense of a lot of things that without these truths, I wouldn't understand. I wouldn't be able to have um, uh, assurance of my salvation, especially after uh, getting saved as a five-year-old boy and then going out into sin and uh, having to get right with the Lord. So what's another evidence, Brother Max? Well, of course, in Galatians 5, right, verses 22 in there, we have the fruit of the Spirit. So there's, and, and often it's said fruits but it's fruit it's singular and those nine things that are listed there are actually an embodiment of the fruit what should be manifest in our life right love joy peace long suffering temperance meekness faith and these sayings that against such there is no law and before that is a whole list of all the bad mm-hmm. things that we did before we were born again before we were saved right and those things should no longer be 
evident in our life because that was fruit of an unrighteous, unregenerate, lost person. Now we're new creatures and we're saved. We should be emanating this fruit of the Holy Spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance. And I'll say seven out of nine every time. Perfectly. (laughs) Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. High five. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jesus said you shall know them by their fruit. And so it is a it is an endorsed concept. We're not judging. We're not fruit inspectors. We're simply looking at what people say that they are and say, you know, just because you profess to be something, that doesn't mean that you are what you think that you are. And when we breathe our last breath on this life, it doesn't matter what we think we are. It matters what God knows us to be because we don't want to be like those people that Jesus described when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Brother John, what's another evidence of salvation? Well, you, you just, your relationship with the Lord. I mean, I think if you, um, you profess to be saved, and I know what you just said earlier about yourself and the, and the situation you had in your own life, but God is so real. And he, when, when he came into my heart, oh yeah, I've not always had good days like everybody else, but you know that he's there. You, you, you know the sweetness of the Holy Spirit, and you know that God is just working and helping. And, and sometimes the Holy Spirit working in my life is, is the chastisement. It is. I mean, we think a chastisement always oh, takes me out to the woodshed, as they have all, everybody used to say before it became unpopular. Uh, but kids now, it's like, what's a woodshed? Exactly. <laughs> or what happens out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, the love of God just abounds. And... I believe, and, and I've never been out in sin once I got saved. I got saved at 17 years old, uh, and I never walked away from God like that. But the love of God, he helps you, he strengthens you, he guides you. And you just, it's like as a child coming up, when you, you want to do things to please your parents. I believe I want to do things to please my God. I want to see God work, and I want to see God do it. I, I don't want to be, when I, I come home, so to speak, to God, that uh, he says, out back, let's go. Mm-hmm. No, I want it to be a, a sweet relationship between us. And, and he wants it more for us than I can want it for me. And I think that when you have that desire to be with the Lord, oh, I, I'm not talking about you sitting around um, in, on top of a mountain, by yourself all the time, praying and, and reading. I'm not talking about that, but it's a daily walk with him and have that sweet relationship with him and, and just let God just work like he wants to. It's very, very real, folks. Uh, and, and if you're saved, then you know what you know what Brother John's been talking about. And I want to read a little bit here. It's so consistent with what you said, Brother Max, what you just said, Brother John. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God, as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now listen to this. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Notice that the word of God here is giving us a contrast between the saved and the lost. He said, for this ye know that no whoremonger 
nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So we have characteristics of the children of disobedience in contrast to the characteristics of the children of God. And it doesn't mean that children of God can't do these things, because it says in the very next verse, Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So there is a difference between the saved and the lost, not just the destination after this life, but the way that we live our life. We have a heavenly Father, and we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. Brother John, you mentioned chastisement, and the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12, that if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye, and this is what the Word of God says, then are ye bastards and not sons. And, and that word, that's not a cuss word, that's a word of somebody that is illegitimate. And so someone who says, I'm a child of God, but then lives and does all of these sinful things and never has any chastisement from God, nothing supernatural. Listen, I look back, gentlemen, the time that I was living in sin in those teenage years, I had times that I knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that what happened to me was God's woodshed. And he said, well, how do you know? Listen, I, physically speaking, I never got a whooping and said, well, what was that? <laughs> I always knew. I mean, when sure. dad took the belt to me or mom took the orange plastic hot wheel track, or oh, you've never been whooped <laughs> until you've been whooped with a, with a hot wheel track. Right. And I, I never did wonder, what was that? I, you know, did I feel something? I knew that I was being whooped, and usually I knew what I was being whooped for. I always knew that when God had chastised me. And, you know, there's, there's one last thing that I want to say as we close here, and that is the Bible says that if we are saved, one of the evidences is, is that we will love the brethren, we'll love other Christians. I, I'm concerned about people who say that they're saved, but they never have any desire to go to church and be around other Christians. That really concerns me greatly. And so, you know, we've talked about a lot of good things here today, controversial tattoos and inkings, and then We've talked about evidences of salvation. Brother John, it, it's been a joy to have you here on Salt and Light. Very first time. Uh, you doing okay? You survived this all right? Yes, sir. I'm doing well. Doing well. All right. We'll do it again thank sometime. You, Brother Max, thank you for your time and your heart that you put into this. Folks, we'll see you next time on Salt and Light. Don't forget about Back to Basics uh, Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless you. We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you and he died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust him as your savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible and get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, 
visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the salt and light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.